This is the Zodiac Degrees Podcast. I'm Greta Lee. Today's degree is the 30th degree of Aquarius. And the occasion for this degree is the full moon on August 22nd, 2021. And at 29 degrees, 37 minutes Aquarius. So in ordinal numbers, that's the 30th degree of Aquarius. Um, my my goal is to get around to all 360 degrees of the Zodiac and to talk through all these source materials I'm finding and to live in, well, this in recorded live, live recording, <laughs> synthesize all this information and see if I can uh, figure out some of the mystery behind these. Okay. So 30th degree, um, looking at the, uh, Astrolabium planum. Uh, here we have a woodprint image of a king on a, well, it's a throne. It's, I think it's supposed to be a throne, but it looks just like a platform. His feet are sort of dangling off. It's definitely like a loft, a lofty, a place of prestige. So we'll say it's a throne, even though there's no backing. Um, he has a hand up, he has a crown, he has a scepter, he has a big cloak robe on looks like he's talking looking at someone over to the side perhaps making an order or pronouncement okay so let's see what William Lilly has to say um he translated it to say a king crowned sitting okay that's exactly what I saw so no discrepancies yet and it says it signifies a man living at peace Okay, so a, 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 maybe not a literal king, but a, a man who is in a place of peaceful power. Okay, let's see what Dane Rudyard has to say about the Sabian symbol. Oh, this one is quite wordy in the, in the Rudyard, Rudyardian fashion. Uh, he says, deeply rooted in the past of a very ancient culture, a spiritual brotherhood in which many individual minds are merged into the glowing light of a unanimous consciousness is revealed to one who has emerged successfully from his metamorphosis. Oof, that's a, that's a lot. I mean, that's pretty abstract too. Um, this is pr pretty, de I mean, pretty, pr pretty dense. Okay. Uh, a very ancient culture. I see how they could be a king, because um, it's the, uh, the aristocracy or ruling by God's decree or something is very ancient idea. Um, spiritual brotherhood. Okay, there's no depiction of that, but let's see. Let's go more into the explanation. Um, open mind, self transcendence, multi unity multiplicity, many paths trod in life, but a unity of the soul, Unan unanimity with the root word inside of that anima equals soul. And um, what looks like a form, look, looks like a form and personality from a very distant perspective is a ray of light. And light like particle and wave. So light in that, um, 
scientific understanding of light as simultaneously particle and wave. It says conscious totality of being. And it also says originally this um, symbol, Sabian symbol, is the field of Ardath and Bloom. Okay, so Dane Rudyard took some liberties with this because uh, he really brings stuff further out there and way more metaphysical and new age um, than some other people. So I, you know, I, I like to think of all these degrees as like, they, they interact with the other degrees in really interesting ways. And you can look at the oppositions and the squares and the trines and all, all the aspects. But even um, this idea that um, we just had a new moon at 17 degrees of Leo, the 17th degree of Leo. So it was like 16 something. But, um, and that had this element of a, or had this imagery involving a church choir and the leader of the, of the church choir. And that had this dynamic of a group and a leader, a, a group and an individual. I think there was also like a, a camel caravan and the leader of the caravan and how it moves as a group. But then there's the one person going in front. And this is like a totally different emphasis on that new moon it's like we're bringing that new moon of a group focused on an individual to like a group completely transmuted into an individual um this particle wave it's so it's so trippy i love it it's just like way it's super groovy that's like rudyard's mo for sure um so, okay, so this Ardath thing, let's go to Mark Ed Edmund Jones, the field of Ardath in bloom. Okay, so he's sticking to the original. Mystic me meadow of ancient Babylon, continuity. Okay, so continuity, thinking like that, the many paths trod in life, but you have a unity of the soul. There's one, one, um, your, even your, your body changes over time, your personality can change, your associations can change, but there's something fundamentally inside that has continuity. And this mystic meadow of ancient Babylon, a similar, a similar continuity, it seems like. There's still flowers in this one spot um, when you... Okay, and um, so it says, wind positive, this degree is self-illumination through exceptional service to others um, and when negative witless reaction to fantasy okay so i can see you could be a king through serving your group of people you could be a, you know a queen or the royal leader even if it's just you know a uh, a small a small group of people like a, <laughs> like a, a a poker a poker group like or just like a little social group you could be the you could kind of be a king there or a queen and but the but you could also fantasize like sort of delusions of grandeur and fantasize that you're you're so great so huh okay um but the ardath thing um hmm so mark jones has stressed his inner contact with a brotherhood 
with Babylonian or Sabian roots, inner contact. Okay, so you're walking around and you have this, you're bringing around this, this sort of royal lineage of the Brotherhood of Babylon. Okay. Um, and what is this Ardath? Um, so I looked up Ardath, which is an occult novel by Marie Corelli. And I mean, a, a cult novel maybe is not the right word for it because it was a bestseller in the 19th century. Marie Corelli was a huge author. Um, she outsold Charles Dickens and um, what's his name? The guy who wrote um, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes and like all these 19th century stories that we, we're still retelling today and people are still making movies and films and rereading these today. Um, she was bigger in the time. She was a better, bigger seller. Um, the Winston Churchill read her. The Queen of England read her. Huge deal. And she was really tapped into this Christian um, spiritualism trend of the day um, or the zeitgeist. Um, and she, this novel in particular is about a poet who had a lack of faith and there's a journey involving the lack of faith and finding magical women and so and you know it seems like a quite a actually probably interesting plot um so the and i guess there's a lot of romantic description of nature as being this spiritual place so I could see how maybe that wouldn't age well, um, age well as, as, I don't know, maybe it'll make a, maybe it'll make a comeback, but the sort of pious, uh, Christian, uh, wordy, flowery, uh, you know, uh, it's, it was the word bellatristic, bella, those just like a pretty word worded elaborate novel maybe it doesn't it just doesn't um translate as well to today's like desire for more like cleverly crafted terse concise i mean but the but charles dickens has survived but i feel like it's it's if you've ever tried to read dickens it just kind of goes on forever and i feel like adaptations of his stories survive more than the actual text um that get down to like the the bare bones of his catchy stories. Anyway, that's aside. Note, but Marie Corelli Ardath, if a spiritual place, a romantic natural place, Ardath in bloom, some place with fate and faith, and part of your journey to find some sort of spiritual truth. So that's the the um, idea behind Ardath. Okay. Martin Goldsmith. Hmm. Underwater explorers view the ruins of Atlantis from the porthole of their submarine. Strange aquatic creatures are swimming between the broken columns. Okay. Huh. So here's another ancient civilization. So the Babylon was, the Ardath is like Babylon was once there, but now it's just a field of flowers. 
that the brotherhood or the collective consciousness of Babylon is somehow living through in this kingly or royal spirited, peaceful person. And then the underwater explorers view Atlantis, another ruined civilization of great glory. And now there's strange aquatic creatures. So it says, transience of all cultural forms, periods of growth and decay, dispassionately observing modern and ancient societies to see how we got to present day. Ironic commentary, alien observer, glassy-eyed examination of monstrous evils, drawing away from soulless norms of one's culture, staying awake on top of one's options, sinking into the unconscious, decadence of the surrounding culture. Ooh, okay. There's the, the broken columns, the decadence, and being a scientific observer of that, this sort of <laughs> ruinous decay. Wow, this is um, pretty descriptive of the world right now, where we're all sort of looking through these portholes that are these magic rectangles of our computers and phones and kind of being like, wow, look at this all burn. Look at this all go under the flood. Um, but actually we're, we're not just dispassionate observers. We're also, uh, we're also sort of all pouring gasoline on it in, in whatever way we are. (laughs) Um, but the glassy eyed examination of monstrous evils. Ooh, I love that. The destruction of civilization. You just sort of look at, you look at like, you know, a horrible politician or you look at, you know, whatever sort of callous, powerful person or, or even not powerful person, even a, you know, just a, some random psychopath that is the product of our civilization, some like mass shooter, some, you know, Someone who's become a monster, you know, someone, you know, Jeffrey Epstein or something. You just look at this and you're like, oh, here's another uh, article about exploitation and child trafficking and this and that. And there's just, and you're just like, oh, boring. I've seen this again. <laughs> so, wow. Um, huh. Okay. I like that description, that Goldsmith one. And, um, oh, here's another Okay, so looking at um, the Lin... So there's a book. I I used to like go through all my sources more systematically and explain them, but there's a book I didn't get because it's like way overpriced on Amazon the way some books get up. I, I don't know exactly how much it was, but I was like, I couldn't justify it because I knew it should have been like a $25 book or $30 book at most, and it was selling for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But it is all online, and I was so relieved to find it because I think I, I think I've looked at this website a long time before. But it's Linda Hill, um, so I'm so glad to bring this uh, source material in because it's so good. <laughs> so it's really it seems like it's one of the best uh, symbol books. So she quotes Rudyard saying, "Moonlit field, moonlit fields, once Babylon are blooming white." Okay, it says, uh, learning from the past, um, taking seeds from the past to make something greater. The grandeur of achieve of many achievements uh, that are lost or damaged. Uh, 
but the energy or power remains. Okay. Um, the, the, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the broken columns or if you've ever visited, um, Roman ruins, it's pretty, pretty impressive. And you can kind of feel the, feel the energy there and, and get excited, even though, you, you know, it's nothing what it was compared to, but, um, you can still kind of tap into it. Um, it says, okay, Linda Hill says permanence of an, of natural essences in the right place at the right time. Rewards come in from past generations, ancestors, the Middle East, fruits of culture, artifacts. But the negative side is destroying ancient lands or monuments, projecting, projecting sins of the world onto foreigners or foreign people or places. Huh. That's interesting. Um, so there's this, okay, there's this ancestry. That's like the brotherhood of Babylon. I mean, that seems like such dated language. It's like brother, especially like the whole gendered brotherhood, the whole like homosocial um, (laughs) boys club of the round table circle jerk. But, you know, I still think there's a place for that for sure. But um, definitely uh, is not, the boys club is a, taken a few hits in the past few years, but, um, but that sort of inner, that ans these ancestors and past generations, but it, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily just some sort of like family bloodline thing. It also has this resonance of the whole community or the whole society and the fruits of cultures of the artifacts, this idea of projecting the sins of the world. I mean, just like those, because when I pictured the submarine, I was like, oh, cool, like a happy little octopus and a, and a school of fish and definitely thinking more of a wonder-filled um, strange aquatic creatures. But then the interpretation was that, that those were monstrous, those like really deep underwater, scary-looking fish that aren't really cute. <laughs> and... That, but that also is almost like this is a critique of that last thing of the, or the projecting sins of the world onto, oh, these, these fish aren't cute. They're scary and monstrous and horrible. But, you know, who are we to say? We're not from the deep, deep ocean. And this idea, or this idea of Babylon, like whenever there's like a, a disaster in a city in the US, like some other, regions like oh well of course there's a disaster in california like they're they don't have it together says new york or says you know says florida and then or oh new york's all messed up who would you know whatever they they blame the other place of being these these horrible places and like let's not even get into the way that the west well no we should we should get into how i mean the 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 uh, evilness projected on places like Iran in particular, but or Syria, um, a- any of these places like the, this or, this evil Orientalism, this the, oh that there's um, I think that uh, uh, citations needed did a really great. 
their media critique podcast did a really great episode about how saying whenever America messes up, we're trying our best and we had the best of intentions, but it just didn't get go right for us. Oh, we wanted to win Vietnam, but it didn't work. But whenever Russia messes up, it's because Putin is fundamentally evil. And while I don't think he's a warm and fuzzy guy, I, I don't think he's trying to destroy his country or kill masses of people. He, he probably is very shrewd and probably is responsible for lots of deaths, but I don't think that means he is a thousand percent evil. Um, and I think that's complete projection that like the, the Eastern power is evil. Um, America's the war. Anyway, you, you probably agree with me, but if you don't, you know, who cares? Uh, it's, it's all just, it's all just noise. Okay. Um, so Adriano Corelli, um, a king's on his throne, weaving, wearing a crown, <laughs> king on the throne, wearing a crown. Okay. Same thing. All round fortune, except you will not have a faithful marriage partner. Oh, okay. A sincere, but frigid or lukewarm person is similar to dispassionate observer. Um, Italian proverb, better alone than badly matched. Okay. Uh, another, oh, okay. So the, uh, not a faithful marriage partner, better alone. It, you can sort of see like the, the king or the leader is sort of the most alone person in the group, the most lonely picked aside, um, you know, person who, who can't live like a normal person with their friends and relationships. Uh, self-mastery, selfish isolation, or misanthropy. Okay. Um, one of the noblest degrees of a really royal one. Oh, that's nice. So if you have any anything at this degree, you can really feel good about this one, but you probably just feel lukewarmly good about it. Um, undisputed authority, easy riches, high feelings, Moral and austere, ambition and power. Ooh, that's a that's a, a good take. Okay, and let's see what Copion has to say. A scepter and a globe are laid on a throne. A man, crowned and dressed in an ermine robe, is striding towards the throne to take possession. Okay, so this is exact. This is basically the same image, but it's it's more like active and detailed. I like the the ermine detail, and he's striding to take possession. But it's the same. Oh, and there's a globe this time, not just a scepter. But you know, okay, the globe being this like global domination or worldly domination. It says um, all that is possible and positive, in tune with the highest ideas of Aquarius. Because this is the anoretic degree. This is like the last degree. I should have said this at the start. The last degree, the first and last degrees are these like critical degrees. And they're so intense. And the first degree has like all this potential. And the last degree, this 30th one, is this sort of culmination energy. Um, I have to, also I have to say that 
as I record this, Jupiter has just ingressed back into Aquarius and is at this 29th degree. And so the moon hitting this at the end of the of August um, or the 22nd is really going to highlight this Jupiter, just Jupiterian Aquarius new new vibe, like the the ingress vibe, the retrograde reintroduction, because we're all we all should be getting a little bit acclimated to that Jupiter and Aquarius energy, even though we had the Pisces taste for going back and we know how to do this. OK, there's going to be more um, isolation. There's going to be more collective strategizing. There's going to be more um scientific breakthroughs is good you know so all this stuff we're going to go the highest ideals of aquarius okay so let's go back to copy on uh, a person with de this degree on the ascendant um depending on the strengths of his of the rest of the chart will fulfill a royal role in their life sudden elevation unheard of chance of high office fully deserved rewards I like the idea of like sudden elevation and unheard of high office, but it's not like just some fool off the street who got put into the CEO role. This is someone who like, it seems like they're out of nowhere, but they really will rise to the occasion. They really deserve this power. They really have it in them um, to fulfill the role. Um, come into life with excellent capacities and extraordinary talents. Reward from heaven. So air, Aquarius, rewards from the, the ether, from air. Seems like it materializes out of nowhere. An artist, a political leader, a banker, a film star, they will rule the field. Um, the encapsulation, oh, so then he, Capion goes through how this is the encapsulation of highest ideals of all 12 signs. And this is interesting too because Aquarius is the second. I mean, if if you start with Aries and you go all the way to Pisces, I feel like Aries has this big initiation energy. Pisces has this disseminating sort of ethereal dancer, abstract um, one with the world, and Aquarius is sort of like this this pinnacle of of worldly achievements because the Pisces starts going to like, just to way, way further out um, and is more spiritual and immaterial. Um, so that's an interesting idea that like this 29th degree of Aquarius is somehow this highest ideal. And he goes through the signs of the highest ideal, which I think is an interesting take. Um, so Aries is magical energy. Taurus, devout receptivity. Gemini, absorption of knowledge and wisdom. Cancer and Leo share love for the people. Virgo, impartial self-criticism. Libra, perfect inner balance. Scorpio, intense depth. Sagittarius, valuable synthesis. Capricorn, perfect form giving. Aquarius, expansion of intuition. Of intuition. And Pisces, a subtle grasp of intuition. This, okay. So, okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, a little bit of a, a side, like a side 
rundown. But this, this really is this being an anoretic degree has so it's just so dense. There's so much in that. There's so much packed in. It's like all of the Aquarius experiences are really, really packed into this. And um, I could see how it would that would be a really positive. That could potentially be a very like positive royal result. Um, so, so selected through many lives. This copy on says anointed and crowned. Hmm. Okay. And the second image in Kapian, um, a landscape in darkness, deeply rooted in the past of an ancient culture, like or unlike Babylon, with a spiritual brotherhood emerging out of their transformation into the glowing light of a unanimous consciousness, like or unlike moonlight. Okay, like or unlike Babylon, like or unlike moonlight. Okay, we have the moonlight again. We have the Babylon again. Um, and yeah, this is definitely is taking some from Rudyard, but sort of making it a little bit more clear than Rudyard did. Or maybe it's just because I've been doing this for longer at this point. <laughs> you know, a few minutes into this. So, hmm. The dark, I love this idea of this like illuminated consciousness in a dark landscape. And that, that picture of like the moonlight flowers, these white flowers. Uh, and, and I also like that it says like or unlike Babylon. Like it doesn't have to be this Babylon imagery. It doesn't have to be moonlight imagery. This is a really ethereal, heady concept of greatness, of collective inner trans like containing multitudes within um as we were as i said in the um jupiter and aquarius podcast walt whitman jupiter aquarius he was that he contains multitudes his uh sort of uh multiplicity of ideas and complexity of ideas that that sort of that's at a very aquarian um a complexity of, of perspectives and taking into, into calculation all these perspectives of the collective and trying to bring it all, all together to work together. Um, glowing night of unanimous consciousness. Okay. And it says telepathic contact with all other worlds of intuition and revelation. Inner past veiled in darkness lit up so connections can be seen okay so there's like this dark inner past that we all have from just our own memories but this idea of like reincarnations for many lifetimes or even just this idea of like if you reject the reincarnation narrative you would just think like these these this inner past of all these this historical events and these lives that all brought us to where we are today, um, that's all within us, within our like genetic memory. Um, and it, but we don't, we don't think about it and it has to be lit up to, to really figure stuff out. Okay. Outer, outer ruin, darkness may be necessary for transformation. Oh, okay. The British coronation service is a replica of ancient Israel's. I love that. I love that. Like, um, I think it's really funny when people are like accuse 
cultures of stealing from other cultures. Cause like, that's just like how cultural transmission works. And I feel like this project is this sort of like looking at the nuances of cultural transmission of these, these degrees through many people. I mean, of course there's like this like a, offensive appropriation, but, but, you know, I, I feel like there's that that's like can be a separate thing. Cause this thing of like, I gotcha, like you're not the first one to have thought of this is just ridiculous because we're not, you know, there's nothing new under the sun and there's just, we're just repeating these human rituals that we almost don't fully even understand again and again and again. So I didn't know that British coronation had anything to do with ancient Israel, but I'm sure that there's some sort of like British crown expert who would correct that and tell you exactly what it takes from different historical um, rituals. Like, uh, okay. King Arthur's throne, brotherhood of the round table. Yes. So King Arthur of this sort of archetypical this this leader who includes this brotherhood includes has the the round table so the king doesn't sit at the head of the table he's equal to all the all the people um or all the all the knights (laughs) not all the people but (laughs) it was like a it's like george carlin says it's a small club and you ain't in it (laughs) so i'm not at the round table either um Esther Leinbach. Let's move on to this source. Esther Leinbach. A sharp and precise mentality found in this degree. Um, it's about clearing hurdles. Humanitarian crusader. I like the clearing hurdles thing. That's very the Saturn thing, dealing with obstacles, dealing with hurdles. But this 29th degree, this talent of being like, I know how to deal with the obstacles. Like I'm flawless in dealing with the obstacles or like crushing the, um, the column almost like destroying the obstacles. Okay. Need, she says needs element of detachment, avoid becoming too deeply involved in problems you cannot solve. Okay. So this is like that alien or scientific coldness that has actually made me a positive thing here. If you're always taking account so much, you can't get emotionally soft weighted down just wait for pisces that's going to happen in two seconds after after it turns from aquarius to pisces but the aquarium what part of the aquarian brilliance is not getting soft down with the the wet tears and the wateriness and to be able to be above to be in this in the clouds and get a bird's eye view um military career legal debates uh, tracks difficulty that sharpens his wits. Okay, so here's a like being up to challenges, being up to obstacles, some danger that will not always be able to come out on top. Be responsible with lucky advantages. Do not squander them. Okay, so there's this thing where this person with this. I mean, this this would be an interesting deep dive into this to see if who has a planet at 30th degree of Aquarius who are very well placed and who have a very difficultly like a square with squares and oppositions. Um, And if that sort of, they finally do hit some obstacle that they can't 
levitate above in their mystical kingly way or queenly way. Um, okay, Henson says home luxury, abundance, clairvoyance, music, practical and thoughtful, makes connections, good for writers, actors, and musicians. So I guess instead of being a king, there's like a home luxury thing. So like some sort of status or material luck and abundance here. And the clairvoyance thing, making connections. Okay. Um, and, you know, and Matthew, so these two books, Henson and Matthews, they're almost a- a- identical. Matthews is printed, I think, in the 40s and Henson in the 80s. But Matthews calls it attainment. And then Henson repeats everything. Um, charitable. These, um, this is a, I, I like this charitable and safari, all these, uh, channeled images that are connected to this. So charitable says a man reclining on a rustic seat neath a shady tree. I love this. I love that. It's like not a rich or like aristocratic setting. It's a rustic seat, but you could see that that's like a kingly position to have a nice shady tree. Um, I like that. I said, this says a degree of good fortune will not have trouble. Wealth flows to him. He lives only for himself and seldom benefits others. Huh? So there, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of variations on this. This person is an embodiment of the collective or, they're getting bogged down in trying to help others, or in this case, will not help others. This this uh, seems like there's some sort of tension between this being this, like having all this inner connections and inner understanding or wisdom or some sort of spiritual memory or knowledge of this collective. But then like, how does that, what's the tension is like, how does that play out in practical life? Like, can he, can someone really act on all this understanding? Is it better just to like live your life for yourself, even if you have all this understanding, because that's all you really can do? I'm sure there's people, I mean, I feel like we've all been in positions where it's like all you need certain days, you just need to like get food for yourself and sleep or just take care of yourself. And you can't really help anybody else because everyone has a breaking point, but they maybe... I don't know. Okay. I'm just thinking about that, but let's, let's move on to the Safariel. A scepter surrounded by a crown. Okay. That makes me think of like the, the, um, Marseille deck, uh, ace of swords that has like the crown around the sword, but I guess instead it's a scepter and, uh, says, um, one who will rise in distinction, success, great heights, offices of great power and influence, capacity for government and rulership, unbending integrity, not affectionate or warm, but sincere, authority. Okay, so another really great one. It makes, you know, makes me wish I had a plan here. <laughs> Seems like a pretty, on the whole, a more like a pretty enthusiastically positive degree. There's, of course, some drawbacks here, but seems pretty good. Um, and okay, sandbox in the Chandra system um, says a large pool filled with white water lilies in bloom. Oh, okay. So in the, a couple of the other ones, that the, these this Chandra system is kind of way off. 
the other imagery and sort of only through looking at so it's so the the thematic uh the thematic tendrils are sometimes a little stretched thin it seemed but this one is like right on the same the same um page it's a large pool filled with white water lilies in bloom like the the fields of ardath okay ability to express emotions in beautiful manner love that combines emotional and spiritual well that's kind of off because this one the other ones are saying that the it was like emotionally detached but maybe like expressing emotions beautifully involves a degree of attachment because if someone's really caught up in emotions they're like blubbering or squealing or they're not they're usually not the most articulate um okay integration synthesis creative intelligence seeing what can be suspending vision to honor freedom and open and oh suspending vision to honor freedom and open-endedness okay that's interesting that the little bit of that alien coldness scientific coldness is um you can see all the chess moves in your head you can see all the stuff that goes but then you you just sort of suspend that all those options and then just like let it happen i like that um intricate refinement living on many many planes at once i do i like that too as far as the living in babylon and having these histories of of civilizations coming and going and but then you're also in the present day and you have these ideas anyway okay so the fixed star for this one it's not too or i couldn't really find much on it but it's um uh um Omicron Cygni. It's it's the base of the swan's north of Cygnus, so the the swan's north wing. But I couldn't find anything specifically on Omic Omicron Cygni. So I'm sure you could apply some of the Cygnus stuff, but because it's not really this exact degree, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stretch it. Um, and there's nothing from the address of the stars. There's nothing from my other, my Vatican incomplete manuscript, nothing for Aquarius, but um, I did also, you know, I, f I found like, I have, I used to like, whenever I was in like a thrift store, used bookstore, I would just like go to the astrology sections just to see what rando things they have. And I have this one and it's practical astrology, how to make it work for you. And what is the um, 1967? And, you know, I actually had it out because I like the cover type font. Ooh, I like the type font and um, I was I was just using it as like a, a guide to when I was doing hand doing the, the glyphs. Being like, oh, this is kind of like the best thing to look at that I just have out. But then I noticed there's a whole chapter on the degrees. So it's <laughs> like, oh, I, I had no idea this book has been like, kicking around my piles for a while. I didn't know there was a degree source. So tw 29 degrees. So it's, oh, Practical Astrology, How to Make It Work for You by Gerald L. Keene. And it says, um, this degree is publication, denotes one who will be in the public eye, 
either through a strange series of events or through the work which will be done for the public benefit or entertainment. Okay, so this one has a little bit more, instead of this royal idea, this just a public eye idea. I don't know if that was more of like their take on how that would apply to normal people, um, thinking that not if any aristocrats were picking up this book, there'd be far few and far between. Um, but, um, so I, I went through, uh, to see the, the resources of many natal charts that exist on the internet, um, to see who has this, who, who are some prominent people who has this, have this degree in their chart. Um, so the sun, the 30th degree of Aquarius, is um, some interesting people. There's uh, Yoko Ono, um, John Travolta, Dr. Dre, Enzo Ferrari, uh, Sybil Shepard, Vanna White, and Toni Morrison. And um, I suppose there's a lot to... to ex- extrapolate on, on these people who have the sun here. I mean, this idea of this royalness and this understanding of multiple layers and multiple histories. Um, I like the Yoko Ono example because she's sort, she is sort of this like singular Royal figure in art, in like the history of 20th century art and in pop culture um, she's very queenly. She's very regal, um, and she has she gives off this air of like this this very wise person who has an under who who sort of has an understanding of how a lot of people a lot of things work on a lot of levels and how collectives work, and um, like she was she sort of went into fluxes. She went into the pop music scene and her greatest piece of breaking up the Beatles, which I just, I just love this idea that like, I mean, it's also funny that there was that thing about like an un and like a unfaithful partner because John Lennon like famously cheated on her for a while. And almost like he left his previous wife for her and he left his, his real marriage of Paul McCartney for her and brought her right into the middle of this collective group. Um, and this, this sort of like phonic womanly force who into the middle of this small group of this round table of men of a brotherhood that were picking up on the zeitgeist of the pop culture of the sixties. And then he, he brought this like Japanese conceptual art queen into the middle and it just it sort of <laughs> it's sort of like it broke a lot of people's minds and so I I love that um I, I love that image of her as the the royal person for this degree um uh, you know also uh Dr. Dre very like very above the fray, uh, intelligent figure in hip hop. Um, Enzo Ferrari, which I, who I guess like didn't even know he is a race car driver who 
was an engineer and sort of like broke away and, and made, made Ferraris. Um, and um, Toni Morrison, who I, I love and lo- love Toni Morrison books, huge fan. I haven't read him in a long time, but um, I just pulled out one internet quote. If you surrender to the wind, you can ride it. So that's a pretty good, uh, <laughs> you know, the Saturn ruled ego, the sun, the Saturn ruled sun, um, just surrender to the air, to the wind <laughs> that gives you power. So that's a pretty great Saturn sun idea. Okay. The, um, moon Morgan Freeman, uh, another, uh, I would say, um, kingly figure he often it's like he often plays like an angel or like god or something (laughs) like some like spiritual king um he's he just has such a warm great voice but then yeah he's like above the fray what a great like narrator right morgan freeman um and jillian anderson from x files uh she's also uh a very dispassionate observer she's a doctor on the show right so Mulder is going crazy about aliens and she's more skeptical and observing. Um, uh, and then Remy Chauvin, Remy Chauvin, Chauvin, uh, who is a bio was a biologist and an entomologist and is an animal rights activist and, um, a parapsychologist, like a UFO researcher and, Sort of, so someone who was a, a top scientist in his field or a, at least a renowned scientist in France, but then also had the sort of self confidence and, um, interest of looking at other levels of society, of, uh, other levels of existence and sort of going, scratching the surface of, which I, I, I like the idea of like the, the submarine going under and um, looking at more than meets the eye. Uh, Mercury is Mercury at 30th degree of Aquarius is interesting. Uh, we've got Rick James, Erica Badu, and Harry Styles. So three very strong voices and three like pop artists who aren't afraid to like say, or saying something that's different. I mean, Rick James, he's saying super freak. And is there like, <laughs> I just like, I feel like Aquarius, like they will pride themselves on being contrarian or being different or being a freaky or being different, you know? So, um, and Erica Badu, she's like, she's not, I mean, she's a diva, but she's, she's kind of like not a typical diva. She's, she's not wearing like, glitter and jewels and um she seems very like self-possessed but not in, i don't know she just she kind of breaks the mold a little bit and harry styles of course is a flamboyant dresser is uh has a you know very interesting voice and perspective uh interesting mind probably um and okay so venus 30th degree of Aquarius, uh, Mozart, who is, we just had Mozart on the new moon. Mozart was, um, I forgot where, I forgot what planet. I think it was Saturn, the Saturn ruled new moon. Um, 
I'll have to I'll have to look back on this book. <laughs> she said Mo- anyway, Mozart's Venus, uh, anoretic degree of Aquarius. Um of yeah, he had a very Aquarian, a very logical, removed scientific musical structure. Um and Casimir Malevich, uh just uh one of the most um immortal abstract painters and uh just one of the sort of originators of abstract painting from Russia and um he really in the similar to Picabia who is also a a um abstract painter with many um a whole stellium in Aquarius uh, but similar to Picabia Malevich went through a lot of different styles. Like he really just tried on every innovation in painting. He just took it on. He was like cubism and um, folk painting and constructivist ideas. He just, if it was a new idea, he was just eager to play with it. And his, I just think about this, like the painting he did with the black square and the white square, um, which he was really the first one in art history to just really just full on bring a canvas that was just one color, just a monochrome. And that had been redone so many times in the 20th century, but he really had, he really did that first. And, um, that being this universe, part of his Russian revolutionary communist ideal ideals with that was anyone can paint this. You can, the whole collective, anyone can paint my plan for this painting and put it on their wall and have a piece of modern art. Um, so there's that collective idea. Um, and it, interestingly, Joseph Albers um, also has a Venus here who uh, was, who was famous for his color theory squares where he, um, they're quite beautiful. If you can see, see them in person, especially, I mean, you could Google this stuff, but if you see this in person, see the interaction of squares of hyper-specific colors and what color really does to your eyes when you see them, it's just, it's very trippy and, um, very transcendental. And, you know, he really is, uh, a king in a, in a similar way that Mozart and Malevich are just these, beyond just transcending generations, transcending even their own civilization of wherever it's like Vienna or Russia or Albers who left Germany. He, he made the, he was big part of the Bauhaus and then came to America, worked at Black Mountain College and the Yale art school and really uh, transformed what all the um, post-war sort of high art content fine art con- trajectory so um a big person there mars we've got um jane fonda uh johnny greenwood and margaret atwood so i mean jane fonda and margaret atwood uh two uh two very fierce voices um Margaret Atwood, of course, who wrote Handmaiden's Tale. And um, one poem I really like that she wrote is called Half-Hanged Mary. Um, 
I think I don't like the show Handmaid's Tale. I think it's just like I think it's just like torture porn. But I think Margaret Atwood's literature is exceptional, and um, Jane Fonda, you know, huge Hollywood activist, sort of the prototypical act like marching and um, and I feel like this kind of connects to the last full moon when I brought up Victor Hugo's Mars in the Saturn world Aquarius and that sort of that quality of a, of this Saturn boosted Mars. I mean, it's, you know, Mars is um, exalted in Capricorn, but I think that that Aquarius is a pretty great placement for Mars as well. I mean, maybe a little bit more theoretical than practical, application of will but um there nonetheless uh jupiter um has a, a lot of interesting people who have jupiter at the uh anoretic degree of aquarius I, I mean think it's a quite a lucky degree so it seems like a lot of actors um bill murray john voigt matthew broderick ron perlman um, the bass player, Tina Weymouth, um, and the, uh, the comic artist and, um, production designer of Pee Wee's Playhouse, uh, Gary Panter, who, um, has, who has a very idiosyncratic view, uh, really, really interesting artist and worth Googling. Um, and although I'm sure there's some people listening that are like, you know, rabid fans already. Um, let's see. There's, um, okay, for Saturn. So Saturn's a key planet here because, of course, Saturn rules um, Aquarius. And the, pe- the people who popped out for me were um, Don Cheadle, Clive Owen, and Jean Garofalo, which are all, they're all so different. They're all really like they're really different actors, but they all have a demeanor that's very Saturnian and very um, hard to pin down some in a in a way or contrarian. I mean, I mean, not even contrarian, but not what you'd think sometimes. Like, um, and then I was looking more into their charts, and <laughs> I was sort of. Fell down this hole realizing that they were Janine Garofalo was born in September, Clive Owen October, Don Cheadle November, all in 1964. Um, and it was Saturn. I was like, oh, some of this date has to be off. But then I was looking, and it was just, it's all correct, I guess. But um, Saturn was moving very slow. So um, for Janine and Clive Owen. Um, they're ha- they have a retrograde Saturn, and then it's stationed direct at um, 28 degrees or the 29th degree, and then went forward, and Don Cheadle has the 30th degree direct. Um, so I feel like they all look very Saturnian in their own way, kind of severe and serious. I mean, even – I mean, Janine Groffel is a comedian, but she's very – serious um very very dry uh i i love her role in larry sanders show 
um, where she plays the talk show's talent booker. And I feel like that's a very Aquarian role. Um, it's behind the scenes and you're dealing with the whole group of people. You're calling people. You're dealing with the collective group of potential guests and trying to um, connect with all these people for the more in the spotlight star. So the star isn't like calling everybody around, begging them to come on the show. Um, okay. Uh, Uranus, Isaac Asimov, a science fiction writer of, of course, uh, it's an interesting, um, Uranus placement. Um, and Federico Fellini and, you know, the director, um, and, uh, and also Mozart. So Mozart had a Venus-Uranus conjunction. So that makes sense. Um, and let's see. Oh, and also Leopold II of Belgium, who is someone I always mean to look more into, but it's just like, he was so evil that it's just like, I don't know. I love like, for I love reading history. Like histories of world war two are so interesting, but I don't want to like specifically read about Hitler cause it's so dark, you know? And I feel like Leopold is, a, is like as bad. Um, and, but someday I'll get into that. Um, maybe when I have the stomach for it. Uh, okay. Neptune in the anoretic degree of Aquarius. Uh, we have Watteau was a Baroque painter, um, right before romanticism. Um, Brahms, the composer, Blue Ivy Carter. So that's uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce's daughter. So we'll see. We'll see what comes of that. <laughs> and um, Joseph Pulitzer. Um, so that's interesting because the, the guy that started the award for um, the, the Pulitzer Prize, the award for great journalism, great writing, great books. Um, so that being this very intellectual Aquarian pursuit, but also this sort of kingmaker being like, here's the crown for the year. You're the best novel of the year, or you're the best book or whatever. Um, Pluto, Mary Shelley. We've got a lot of really great writers with um, this. I, I guess this idea of like this multiplicity of perspectives in history probably really makes for some good writing. Um, and uh, uh, Augusta, uh, Auguste, um, Auguste, I guess, Comte. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I'm slaughtering that, but, um, he was, he was like born in like 1798. Um, and he is considered, he's French, considered one of the first philosophers of the modern scientific era. And he actually coined the term sociology. So that's, super interesting, this whole multiplicity of perspectives, this understanding of history, and someone with Pluto, this powerful, powerful planet there, comes up with that word sociology, which is this great description of that. Okay, and let's see, we have a North Node, <laughs> Steven Seagal, um, and Tanya Harding. <laughs> They're definitely like, sort of royalty on their own terms. <laughs> Steven Seagal, write, also a writer, he writes his own books and um, they seem pretty, pretty um, wacky uh, and, and roomy. I don't, I don't know how 
it's t- Rumi was born the poet twelve in the year twelve o seven. Who knows how accurate that is, really? But I just th- might as well throw it in there. Okay, so ascendant. Um, so the ascendant, I was a lot more vigilant on checking the the um, the ascendant is the most. Uh, you know, it changes every four minutes. So I, these are both a rated. Um, so pretty, pretty likely these are accurate data for the ascendant. And, uh, one is Sylvia Plath. Um, the, uh, you know, she had, um, she had Saturn very late in Capricorn. And so that was in Placidus. It was in the 12th house. So her, her Saturn was in its joy, really, but and in its domicile, um, but a very, very heavy Saturn life. And then she had a lot of planets in the seventh, seventh house um, in in Virgo. Um, so that that sort of looking to other people and this this Virgo self criticism. You you did you got to feel for her. Um, how, yeah, she, I guess she's in a sense, this like queen of the tragic poets, but, um, it's kind of, you know, this, the, the advice in this, um, degree is like not to get bogged down in emotions and to be more cold and detached. And she was not that. So I suppose that maybe if she was more detached or if her nature was more detached, she she may not have been so morose. I mean, maybe slightly morose, but not so suicidal. Um, and Adam Driver, um, whose Saturn is in Scorpio in the eighth house. And um, I think, you know, he's, he's a great example of the geriatric millennial crop. Um, and he has like that, he has a, like ninth, tenth, like an MC oriented, uh, Sagittarius stellium. So yeah, showbiz actor, but then he has this, um, this Pluto sun and Saturn that rules the whole chart in the eighth house in Scorpio. So this real, you know, dark emotional power. Um, he, you know, he's, he, I, you know, he's, he's got these big features. He's got, he's, you know, st- a lot of his roles have this big relationship drama, this eighth house dr- relationship drama, like in girls, he's j- there. He's not even really officially Lena Dunham's boyfriend. He's just like this guy that she goes and like has sex with and like secrecy almost. And that being this real eighth house, <laughs> this like dark hookup culture thing. Um, but, uh, I thought that there was, there is this, I looked at the Sylvia Plath poems, um, cause it is her ascendant. And I found one that was interesting, had this sort of echoed with this white, this white um, flowers in the moonlight field. I'll just read the first stanza. Um, it's, it's called Tulips by Sylvia Plath. The tulips are too excitable. It is winter here. Look how white everything is, how quiet, how snowed in. I am learning peacefulness, lying by myself quietly. As the light lies on these white walls, this bed, these hands, 
I am nobody. I have nothing to do with explosions. I have given my name and my day clothes up to the nurses and my history to the anesthesia, anesthesiast and my body to surgeons. I'm sorry, slaughtering that. I don't think I can pronounce anesthetic. Ah, okay, sorry. I, I slaughtered that, but um, I like the peacefulness and this, this, kind of Aquarian alienation. Um, and she's, she's sort of this nobody, like she's her, she's dissolved into nobody. I, I like this, um, you know, that like Margaret Atwood has this Mars here, Yoko Ono being like Tony Morrison too. You think, who's that? Who, who are they? It's like, what, what does that person think that they can, you know, they they're the leader who who is that and it's just like they have such inner power and such understanding of the collective or this understanding of history and um it, it's it's really like they're, they're happy in there or maybe not happy but content or they're in, in power in their sort of loneliness or chosen outness um so that's that's a that's a great summation of, of Aquarius in general, but also the 30th degree of Aquarius. Um, so thanks for listening to my ramblings and um, see you next time around.